You're listening to HSBC Talks Business. Learn how businesses like yours are leveraging a wide range of banking solutions to maximize their success and how HSBC is helping them. Listeners should note that this episode has been recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Accelerating payments and improving cash flow with HSBC Corporate Cards. Episode 6, Addressing the Challenges of the New Normal. Welcome to Episode 6 in the series of podcasts from Visa, HSBC and me, Vincent Davis. During the time that we put this podcast series together, There has been a reminder on a global scale that even the best laid plans are subject to disruption from outside forces. Yes, we're referring to the C word and the extent to which the ongoing pandemic has forced us to look at our existing processes from a fresh perspective. So let's take a look at some of the new challenges we're facing, although calling them new challenges isn't entirely accurate. These were all on the radar before the pandemic, but the same solutions might no longer be applicable. And it's not all doom and gloom. Even in the current situation, we're going to explore the possibility that new opportunities may now be within reach. First of all, how is the current or post-pandemic landscape a catalyst for change? Is there an opportunity in the chaos to tear up the rule book and take a new approach to the payment process? Can we continue to accept any inefficiencies in the business at a time when budgets are more constrained than ever? Certainly there is an opportunity to explore additional, more flexible payment channels for procurement within an organisation, while the supply chain is disrupted. In fact, it's not so much an opportunity as an obligation. We focused a lot in previous episodes about the business benefits of card payments, but this is far more stark. We're looking for any opportunity or device to keep the business going, and flexible payments may well be that solution. One trend we've also seen emerge during the pandemic, which we expect to see replicated across business payments, is the accelerated disappearance of cash. If small businesses no longer accept cash payments due to potential contamination, don't business owners also have a duty or care to facilitate contactless online payments for their employees. Obviously, we're not talking about the bulk of business-to-business payments here, which are already wireless, but this pandemic could well usher in the final act for cash payments, and that's not something any of us really need to worry about. The second point we want to look at is whether the pandemic has changed the business case and prize for buyer and supplier. Do the conclusions that we drew in episode 3, namely that card payments can reduce pain and improve processes for both sides, still apply? In this respect, we can certainly acknowledge that the pandemic has introduced tensions and exacerbated the pain we referred to in payments. On the one hand, buyers want to protect their working capital and ideally pay as late as possible. You could say that has always been the case, but the pandemic has forced buyers to dig in. On the other side, suppliers need to support their cash flow and receive payment as soon as possible. Again, this is nothing new, but every business has been forced to dramatically rein back its 2021 projections and beyond and focus on 2020. 
Where can card payments bring about a rapprochement? We would argue that when both parties are forced to adopt more extreme positions, there is a greater opportunity for open dialogue to resolve the differences. Out of that dialogue, it is highly likely that card payments would emerge as an efficient way to accelerate payments in the value chain that meets the urgent needs of both parties. Our third point to consider is about the balance of power, and it follows on from the previous one. Back in episode two, we discussed the culture of someone else's problem and the fact that silos or functions in a business often had no incentive to consider the pain or consequences their decisions inflicted on others. And in this area, we can certainly see some positive trends emerging in an otherwise negative time. With supply chains interrupted, we've seen that cross-function teams within the businesses, such as procurement, logistics and treasury, are more willing to work together to perform urgent reviews of their processes. They're working together to secure the resilience of the supply chain. From that, they are increasingly willing to review their supplier roster and determine which ones are critical to the business and which need assistance with working capital in order to continue operating. There's simply no point in driving a valuable supplier out of business by forcing it to compete on more rigorous terms. We're all competing against a pandemic. So yes, one of the consequences of COVID-19 is the way in which businesses are taking a raft of measures to assist suppliers and secure supply chains, either by issuing emergency advances or reducing their payment terms to pay suppliers early. The interesting part will be what happens even when we emerge from the pandemic. Will businesses revert to type? Or will there be tangible benefits we've revealed that are worth sustaining? We should be wary of drawing too many conclusions at the moment, while businesses are in survival mode. Right now, cash flow or liquidity, long the lifeblood of any business, have been pushed to the forefront. It's not just about growth at the moment, it's about survival. With the recent lockdown and disruption to supply chains, the prudent businesses that have shown resilience are the ones that quickly, very quickly, at the start of the pandemic, sought to secure their own liquidity position by seeking emergency funding, drawdown of revolving credit facilities and such like, as well as funding to shore up their working capital position in order to be able to withstand the difficult times. We also saw businesses granting longer payment terms to distributors and customers in the delivery chain so that distributors or customers can manage their liquidity positions better in a slower sales and slower collection environment. These may not ultimately be permanent behaviour changes, but they are ones we can take encouragement from. On to point four, and we talked about the brave new world of data sharing in episode four. The thesis we put forward in that episode was that corporate reluctance to share data in the same way as consumers do is missing an opportunity to release value. Along came the pandemic and suddenly we've seen the government itself introduce emergency measures that go against GDPR and data protection safeguards. So, are we in a new era of data sharing from here on? Actually, we already are. 
Although we often struggled to secure data and P2P process insights in the past, we are now seeing an increasing amount of corporates reaching out asking for consultancy. Banking partners have the know-how and the tools to deliver full AP analysis and suggestions for process improvement at little to no cost. This is now becoming common knowledge and the data sharing element no longer appears to be a barrier to our customers who happily share data and provide introduction to the right people in their organisation. Our final point is steeped in irony, given that no sooner had we finished our episode on future-proofing your business than the global economy was thrust into turmoil. But we're encouraged by a lot of the responses from business. Assuming the future could involve a rolling cycle of phased local lockdowns, in business terms, the need to stay on top of liquidity positions around the globe remains top of mind, and this has created a situation where many companies are holding long cash positions that they want to keep liquid. They are also revisiting the impact the current situation has on processes and are keen to accelerate process digitization so that they are more flexible in addressing emergency situations beyond traditional contingency planning. Proactive treasurers have been stressed testing their working capital projections, identifying key sensitivities that can affect their working capital requirements. One major global company informed us that they added pandemic risk as a new category to their supply chain and working capital risk reviews. They're now looking at supply chain resilience, diversification of supplier base, diversification of supplier geographies, and reviewing just-in-time procurement strategies. Others will almost certainly follow. Companies are also reviewing procurement strategies and getting closer to markets' best practices, showing willingness to implement more efficient procurement processes. To discuss this further, we spoke with David Kitchener, Cash and Payments Manager at Wessex Water. David, you've seen some new payment process opportunities as a result of our current changed environment. Perhaps you could talk us through what you see those being. Thanks, Vince. Um, yes, there are uh, new fintech providers and solutions that can help optimise AP, streamline processes and add revenue to the bottom line. Push payments uh, are basically a straight-through processing known as STP. The process is very simple. You send a payment instruction to the fintech. They make all the payments to supplier at once using a company purchasing card and the funding mechanism. This reduces the work for the supplier by improving remittance allocation, eliminates the risk of fraud and making a fully automated payment a reality. What have you seen, however, in terms of um, supplier receptivity to card payments during this this period? Has it gone up? Has it gone down? What's changed from your experience? On the other hand, to STP, during these unprecedented times, we've experienced the downturn in card payment acceptance, um, with spend falling around 33% pre-COVID times. What we've found during these times is that many suppliers did not have the capability to process card payments when not based in the office. The others were simply unable to contact through traditional phone lines. Traditional phone lines are being the most common approach to making card payments. Now, have there been any other factors which have become particularly relevant in this period to influence the way that you manage 
payments in the organisation for B2B? As a company, we have to report our payment statistics under UK government legislation. Uh, What we have noticed so far is that uh, there are still customers that are switching to acceptance by cards uh, in this new world, uh, accepting uh, and expediting payments to suppliers is beneficial for their cash flows. This can also improve our business reporting on average time to pay suppliers and invoices paid. Joanne Talbot, Managing Director, Regional Payments, HSBC. So, Joe Towers, if I could turn to you, you're seeing payment choice becoming more important for payers and a sort of blurring of lines. So perhaps you could talk us through what your experience has been there. Yes, thanks, Vince. So um, payment choice we're we're seeing is becoming more prevalent, not just for our clients or corporate clients, but for our clients' customers um, so they want the option of either being able to make a push payment or to be able to make a, a card payment, um, moving away from the traditional car, um, cash and, and cheque type transactions. Um, but we're also finding that within there there are clients who are just not accepting cards, um, as, as David has touched upon. But for those that are not maybe enabled by a, a, um, a merchant, um, we're looking at the opportunity to to bring together what would have been ordinarily a card transaction and and somehow flip it um, into just an ordinary um, payment that goes through the the payment infrastructure, whether that be a real-time payment or or an ACH or or SWIFT transaction. So I think we'll see more of this into the future um, where where people are are looking for that broader broader choice um, and they're not wanting to have lots of independent siloed processes within their organisation. Very good. And what you were highlighting there is is how organisations are adapting to change. So how would you see sort of some of the change that's gone on in the industry, sort of breaking out some of those things that were most immediate uh, to maybe what might be some of the more permanent and longer lasting changes? Well, it's, the, the landscape's changed quite a lot over the last uh, few years. And I think it's been uh, that that change is accelerating now with um, the unprecedented uh, times that we're in. Um, but we see, I think, really the, the um, you know, with a, an established cards um, network out there and set of um, capabilities, we're seeing those come together in particular with real-time payments and when you bring those together also with some of the new capabilities around open banking and APIs it, it really helps bring bring those together and, and and form new solutions new propositions for for our clients um, I think that's a permanent change for us um, I think we maybe saw an acceleration um, also during the last six months around moving towards contactless and um, and um, you know, cards starting to be used more in a B2B sense, although I think there's still a lot to, to go on, on that road. Um, I don't think cash has gone for good, but I think we are starting to see um, a number of businesses say that they're they're not open for cash um, business now and, and they see a permanent move away from that. So m- maybe it's a, a good step forward to the cashless society, but, but who knows? That was Joanne Towers, Managing Director, Head of Payments and Cards at HSBC Europe. So you've been listening to Vincent Davis with HSBC. Stay safe and thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, 
please visit business.hsbc.com.